Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash podcast. Uh, the smartest man in this room, my friend Rick Kaiser. I'm Paul Daly. And, <laughs> and hey. uh, very, very happy to be here. Um, last week was a little nuts, and uh, I wasn't able to, to join, so we, we missed a week, but glad we're back. You know, we're calling this one Cultivating Eden, and uh, we had a previous episode where we talked about Eden and um, that's become a major topic of conversation for you and I, as we have been um, listening to John Eldridge's podcast and uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins from Bible Project. Uh, Good stuff. Walking through uh, the Torah currently, a lot to say about Eden uh, as they were going through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and, and uh, now their current episodes, they're into what we call the book of numbers. I forget the Hebrew name for it, but it translates in the wilderness, which I think is a much cooler name than numbers. Cause who wants to read a book about numbers except somebody <laughs> that's majoring in, you know, statuary or uh, statistical science or something. I don't know, but uh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> you can almost picture the per the person that uh, just gets jazzed about that. Ooh, I can't wait to read that. We got numbers. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you no, know, the cool thing about uh, the, the Bible Project podcast is they're uh, walking through and showing how there's these repeated themes, and the Bible is just not this random collection of stories. Right. Um, there's a lot of history and context and literary genius that doesn't translate to English and that, you know, modern day people don't get about a, you know, 4,000 year old, you know, Middle Eastern culture. But uh, when you got somebody that's got a doctorate in these things and walking through it, you start to see where God right. is intentional and the people that he inspired to write scripture were very intentional and hyper intelligent about the way that they designed. I know. Scripture. It's incredible. That's I picked up on that too, as I started to get into that. Is that yeah? That's missed. It's so yeah. missed, but it is so important to uh, to getting into the depth, you know, and the context and the yeah. depth. And you're right; it just there's that golden thread that weaves through the whole book. And one of the things, not to get off topic, was um, I'm not sure how to put the Rauk or in the garden was and it's translated oh. in our language to the cool of the day, and it actually means the wind. Yeah, the wind of God would come, and and uh, and the first thing that popped into my mind was that wind was the day of Pentecost. Yeah, when they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. wind. Same word, and uh, and the and then the Holy Spirit fell, and just that thread w woven all the way to through the Book of Acts into the Book of Revelations. Just beautiful, it is. It's I can't uh, encourage. Uh, people enough and um, compliment them on the, the excellence in yes. the, in the Bible project. So, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely it's, rabbit holes that we could go down with that. So oh, yeah. many, so many threads, but so we're, you know, so we're calling this one cultivating Eden. And um, that's something that I have been thinking about the last couple of <laughs> weeks, I guess my work schedule has been insanely busy and uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I just have been feeling drained. And uh, in John Eldridge's podcast that you and I reference so often, Rick, uh, they talk about the fog 
that yeah. uh, it just comes to obscure, um, you know, and I'm not one to look for a devil behind every bush and blame the devil for the fact that my pants don't fit one day or, you know, I've got a headache, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I do blame my wife's baking business a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It's not, it's, yeah. But anyway, um, that's funny. So, yeah, but this fog comes to just obscure and just to rob us of our hope and to, to steal uh, our energy and our strength and even our desire to follow God. And there was never a time over the last few weeks where I questioned if I was even a Christian or did God love me. It's like all that foundational stuff is still there, but it just felt drained. And so as I'm right. thinking about um, the fact that we are the new Eden, and this is firmly established in Scripture uh, right. through Old and New Testaments. Um, but I just thought, you know, in Eden, God gave Adam and Eve the garden, and it was their job to cultivate the ground, you know, to work the ground. The, and it really was kind of a revelation for me that uh, the commission to work was not part of the curse, that was part of right. the blessing that existed before they sinned and before they fell. So, you know, we may or may not live in a literal garden right now, but our hearts are the Eden temple of God. And we have a responsibility to cultivate this ground the same way that Adam and Eve had a responsibility to tend and to take care of uh, the, the literal garden of Eden that they were in. Mm. So, uh, I wanted to just talk with you, Rick, and we're doing it here in this forum for the whole world to see, is how do we cultivate our own hearts? And as the world presses in and as schedules demand things from us and jobs and families and, you know, who knows who could be seeing this right now and the pressures and stuff that they're seeing, like how do we give some ammo to people who are trying to push back against the fog in their lives and trying to keep their own hearts as a, a place where they meet God and fellowship with God. So um, I, as always, I know you've prepared some things and I've got some uh, scriptures that really speak to this. Um, so we'll just go from there and yeah, we'll, we'll see what, uh, where the tech conversation takes us. Good questions. Good thoughts. Uh, when I started beginning to uh, think about this and we started talking about this actually a couple weeks ago, um, I remembered being a kid and uh, my dad was military. So we traveled all over the world and every couple of years we were up and moving and living on uh, military installations, Quonset huts and, you know, cookie cutter houses. But in every single place that we were at, they had a huge, they had set aside acres of land and you could get some plots and have a garden. And everywhere we lived, we had a garden. And, uh, you know, when we were little, you had to go. You had to go and spend a couple hours at the garden, and they would bring a water jug, and you're out there, you know, pulling weeds or whatever. And, uh, I, uh, you know, as you become a teenager, that's the last thing I want to do is go play in the dirt. Right. So I always, found, I always found a way to not be home. But I enjoyed the produce from from those gardens right. and uh, my grandma, you know, her garden back in Iowa was legendary. So I grew up around, you know, 
produce and gardens. And every now and then, Jan and I will jump in the car, car and we'll go up to the farmer's market. You know, every town has a farmer's market and people mm-hmm. bring their produce. And, uh, you know, that's the finished product. That's what we get to enjoy is that. But I can remember the dirt in Illinois, you know, just such rich soil, black dirt. And, mm. and uh, when I was living out on the farm in Ludlow, I, you know, we had gardens that were just legendary. I have been here in Southside Virginia for seven years. I have not planted anything except lemongrass and lilacs to keep the bugs off the front porch. But yeah, I mean, it's clay and red dirt. Right. I don't know if anything would grow. A few people I know have gardens, but they truck in, they truck in dirt mm-hmm. and have to cultivate it. And then you got to put up like a 15 foot fence to keep the deer out, the crows out and the squirrels out, every animal, right. you know, trying to destroy for, for four, four counties sends out a telegram, you know, there's fresh vegetables and, <laughs> I had three turkey buzzards in my yard this morning eating birdseed that, you know, it's just, um, so there's, there's maintenance that goes into that, you know, to cultivate means to nurture, foster, tend, assist, plant, produce. Um, uh, so there's work to be done. Mm-hmm. And in order to cultivate Eden and Eden, I think told me it translated into delight yeah. I mean, it can mean delight, means paradise, um, any number of things along that line. And so if we're cultivating Eden, we are cultivating delight, we're cultivating paradise. And um, to prepare the land for crops, to improve or develop by careful attention, training, or study. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord took, the, in Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it right. He was meant to keep it. And I don't believe I, I read a, a few different little blurbs and articles. And uh, this one author said that Eden was never perfect. You know, there, it found everything wrong with Eden. Hmm. And um, uh, so I, I didn't pay much attention to it, but um, one of their approaches was that, you know, how were they supposed to, stay in this little garden and populate the earth. Well, which I thought was a ridiculous question because Eden was supposed to grow. Yes. With them as they cultivated it, it was going to grow until it encompassed the earth, like the glory of the Lord, the glory of the earth shall cover the earth. And if God is Eden and we're cultivating his delight, then the kingdom of God will cover and encompass the entire earth. But you're right. It starts right here. And exile from Eden does not absolve humans from the mandate to cultivate the earth. Right. It does not. It does. We do not have a get out of Armageddon pass, you know, on the, on, you know, the rapture bus. Right. And, And people cling fiercely to that. Um, you know, a couple of questions that I had written, and I, we were talking earlier about. I looked up online. There was uh, tons of Eden businesses from hydroponics, uh, environmental entrepreneuring. There's an art gallery in San Francisco called the Eden Art Gallery. There's an Eden Funeral Home, Eden Furniture, Eden Maintenance, Eden Massage, Eden Lawn Care, which is appropriate, Eden appropriate. Realty, in an Eden Gift Shop, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
Yeah. I'd like to go somewhere where, like Eden omelets. <laughs> they better be good. Eating the sandwich earlier today, but <laughs> that's a great name for a little diner. Eden a sandwich. <laughs> it's well, it's a very evocative word, and I think even outside right. of um, Christian culture, you know, I think that's when you get away from the church, that's still a term and a, a place that people recognize. They might not understand specifically True. the history of it and everything. But um, so, so if Eden, like you and I believe, and I think scripture teaches Eden is still a very real place. Um, I don't want to get sci-fi weird here, but uh, Eden still exists and Eden is coming back to earth. But, um, in a very real way, you know, if Eden is the place where God comes down and meets with his people and he walks with them and he fellowships with them, um, you know, the New Testament said since Jesus died and was resurrected, the kingdom of God now is inside us and our hearts become that place where God meets with us. Like, how do we in addition to our responsibilities to cultivate the actual earth, like the dirt that you can reach down and scoop up with your hands, how do we cultivate our hearts so that we're the kind of people who can, uh, who are ready to welcome Jesus back when he returns? You know, like that's the thing that as I was thinking through the last couple weeks, you know, of like being so worn out is I need to spend some time cultivating the kingdom of God within me, you know, the presence of God within me and making this place because, you know, it was getting so busy. Like there was one morning I, my, my routine is to wake up at about five thirty in the morning and I spend the first hour and a half or so of my day praying, doing my devotions and kind of meditating. Um, but I got like 15 or 30 minutes into it and I'm like, I just can't. And I laid down and reset my alarm and it was a sign to me of like, uh, this isn't, I'm not heading down a good path here, you know, right. not because I'm afraid to miss my devotions, but at the moment, you know, going back to sleep was more important to me than, you know, spending time in the word of God. And that's the thing I want to cultivate that mm. awareness of, and that love for God so that, you know, Jesus, and when he met the, uh, the woman at the well, and the disciples returned, and uh, there's a wonderfully portrayed in uh, The Chosen. Uh, maybe sometime oh, yeah. we can show that clip. But uh, his response, you know, was, uh, I have food that you don't know anything about. My food is to do the will of my father who sent me. And so how does that communion, communication with and fellowship and partnership with God become that thing that actually sustains us? when we should be getting worn out, we should be getting tired, but he continues to carry us. I hope I'm making sense with where I'm Yeah, being. actually you are. It's, um, it, it's kind of uh, segueing into uh, cultivating and the actual application of the word. You grow a garden, you have to constantly be in that garden, yeah. uh, keeping the soil clean, keeping it loose, um, pulling weeds, hoeing it, you know, I mean, if you've ever had a vegetable garden or a flower garden or anything, you're constantly on that thing to keep it, you know, I mean, I've got some, uh, flower beds around the house that, 
you know, I don't spend nearly enough time in them, um, you know, but I mean, I keep them from overcoming what I have growing, but it's the same thing. And applying that to our hearts is how we cultivate Eden. We can't expect to um, cultivate the kingdom, the earth, uh, anything, in, you know, I mean, in the church, which is, uh, encompasses the kingdom or the kingdom encompasses the church, if we're not cultivating the soil of our own hearts. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, one through nine, which led me to my question is, um, what's more important, the seed or the soil? I wrote mm-hmm. something a long time ago. I was trying to find it. And I thought I had it on my phone, but it was a, a tribute to my grandfather um, who farmed for, you know, I mean, he worked my mom's dad worked as many jobs as I have. And, uh, but he also worked in the fields and, um, I, I just, it was fictitious. It wasn't true, but uh, it was a story of a seed that I found in an old flannel shirt Hmm. and that seed what's in the seed never changes. Right. That little seed uh, harbors and holds creation at any time that seed and you could put that seed away in a dry place for a hundred years and then pull that seed out and put it in the dirt. And once it hits that dirt and moisture, life and creation in that seed will explode. That's good. And, and Mm. so it's, it's the seed remains the same, the seed of the kingdom, the seed of the gospel, the seed of creation, the seed of our father, the seed of Eden, has not changed. Right. It is exactly the same as it was. It it holds creation, life, and eternity, and hope, uh, provision, presence, peace, yeah, healing. All of those things remain in the seed. It's the soil that matters. And Jesus is very obvious in the parable of the sower in thirteen one nine, when the sower spreads the seed and some fell on rocky soil and some fell on weeds and some were choked away and some found good soil. And that good soil begins in our hearts. And that's the area that constantly needs to be cultivated constantly, you know, and, and I mean, I know that in myself of myself constantly um i've been praying lately that god would as much time as you and i spend in our devotions and the word and you know gosh we've been doing this for years now yes years and i've been praying that it would be like yeast leaven roots vines that his word and it would go through every crevice nook and cranny, every locked door, every dark corner, every area of my heart, it would find its way in there and break up that soil, kick down the doors, turn the lights on and begin to bring forth that it to bring that seed and bring that seed alive and and change my life. And, And I can't change someone else's life till I change mine. Right. Some people might argue with that. Yes, the word of God is active, alive, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to divide between bone and marrow and soul and spirit, pierce the darkness, all of those things it can. But it has to be 
somebody has to deliver it. Somebody has to wield it. Somebody has to know it. We have to study to show ourselves approved. Cultivating Eden is that very thing. It all begins right here because we are Eden. We say that. I have a t-shirt that says we are Eden. And I get some funny looks when I, I'm, I am going to send you one. I will take um, it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you wear that in stores and stuff. I wonder if people think, well, I wonder if that's a band. Which would be a cool name for a worship band. Yeah. You know, I was talking to my dad last night. Was it last night? I think about, and my dad gets it. He is sold into the, uh, the great renewal, um, nice. stock and barrel. Yeah. And there's a pastor that he listens to out in California named Bill Johnson. And, uh, he quoted Bill Johnson the other day. Yeah, saying I've like, heard of him. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of him before, but uh, just based on this quote, he said, God would much rather do th- something through you than for you. And I thought that just fits. Like, wow, God created Eden, but he put man in the garden to cultivate it and to work it. You know, the kingdom of God is created in us, but we have to do the work of keeping the soil hmm. turned up and making sure that when the seed falls on that soil, that there's something there to nourish it and to grow because God is all about partnership. He's always been about partnership. He never intended to just come and do everything for us. And that's the, the major downfall of that opposite theology of we're all just waiting to get swooped off the earth before God destroys it is we're not committed to improving ourselves and improving the world we live in because we're waiting for God to do something for us rather than do something through us. And yeah, wow. yeah. I think, um, John, or no, not John Eldridge. Um, uh, I quote him so often that, uh, hmm. that's the first name that came to mind. Shakespeare actually said that man's heart is a kingdom. And I think it was John Eldridge that requoted that. Um, but I th- that's, wow. that's absolutely it. That that seed gets, planted in us and then it grows and grows and grows because that seed that stays in the drawer for a hundred years, when you plant that, there is every opportunity for that seed to become a billion other seeds. Yeah. That's yes. Wow. There's a line in, uh, the chosen, uh, Nicodemus says that, uh, you do, uh, he was talking about, um, He's talking to the Roman guy, and he's uh, about the plant that oh, some Quintus. plant, yeah, 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 Quintus. Some plants, when you crush them, they release the seeds. Yeah, you know, uh, it was very profound. But yeah, you know, and it, it makes me think of our um, evangelism in today's arena, I guess, and in, in uh, Western Judeo Christianity in our culture and evangelism. Um, has become very convoluted and very topical. And I think that's why our churches are closing and Christianity is on the decline, especially from COVID and the pandemic. And, you know, churches went online and, um, you know, they're just, it's um, not disheartening. It is alarming, I guess, um, that things need to be done. There needs to be a, definite uh you know burning of the plow or yeah burning the plow and slaughtering the cattle 
right. and, and, you know, a reference to um, Elijah and Elisha. And um, the, um, I think that what happens is that it is, bec- it's become reduced to, there is no cultivating. There's no, you know, you say the prayer and slip your hand up. And I, and I, I talk about that a lot because right. obviously it, it bothers me. I don't agree with it. Right. And, and then you never go back to the garden. You don't do anything with it. You know, come to some Bible studies, you know, come to church. And in the meantime, we have gardens full of weeds. Right. And, um, I, I mean, I, I write all the time as you do. And, um, the one thing that I noticed over the last decade is the, unexpected consequences or of people arriving at a moment in their life when they need family and they're expecting children, their grandchildren's to rally around either the patriarch or the matriarch at Mm -hmm. a season in their life, the the golden, the sunsets or whatever. Um, And it doesn't happen because they spent more time planting onions than they did planting Eden, planting strawberries, right. planting blueberries or something sweet, something nice. And they're surprised by that. And, um, and it's so simple. Um, I wrote this gosh, quite a, quite a while ago, but it's the same thing when we're talking about, our own hearts. Uh, I wrote thoughtless. I hover over another empty page in my mind's eye, a thousand sonnets, blinding epiphanies and an engine of commentary drown the parchment in a deluge of creative melange. Instead, it's just an impotent cloud with a sprinkling of mindless babble. The crayon occasionally sticks as it jumps across the naked fibers. And I am forced to go back and redraw the muted line on a picture that will never grace the door of heaven's refrigerator. But color I must. The cathartic whisper of pen scratching paper muffles the sound of hammer striking steel and iron turning soil as I desperately rip the wild onions that grow so freely and fiercely in my heart. The aroma of rent earth mingles with prayers of penitence as I kick dirt in yesterday's face and hope it rains. Mm. That's cultivating the gardens of our hearts is... uh, constantly it's it's maintenance right you know the one the one business that rang true the two was eden maintenance and eden lawn care it's just constant maintenance and that's what it is to put it down and i guess into just uh raw topical layman's terms is cultivating eden is heart maintenance yep constant heart maintenance there we go and you we can't do it alone. We cannot right. do it alone. You know that, and I know that. Yeah. And, we, and you and I learned that the hard way. And not long ago, and you and Preston spent that weekend here in Southside Virginia. And that was when it began. That's yeah. when the uh, it, it began. True. We, you know, we started with the warrior poets, but it, obviously it has blossomed and gone. You know, um, different directions. But part of it is the fact that um, we started with that three-strand cord. Yep. And uh, we kind of made a, a vow to continue um, together, you know. And, I mean, there, we started with four of us, and the four of us still interact 
somewhat, but you and I have kind of carried the torch, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back because right. you know, our friends are always welcome. Yep. But um, I tried as well as you did. You've shared your story many times of, you know, of church and, and study and reading. But if you don't have that sounding board, you know, you know, you know I mean, I have my wife and, and we pray together all the time. We serve in our church together mm-hmm. and that helps. But you get, when you have that friend that you can really um, get into the word and, and, you know, pull weeds. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing, dude. We're pulling weeds, man. Yep. We're pulling weeds and nurturing the seed so that it can grow up into that huge tree that spreads seeds. That's what we're doing right now. Yep. It is. Uh, yeah. This keeps me going. Um, yeah. And, you know, that weekend that you refer to, uh, my memory of that weekend, the predominant memory I have, uh, I cried, dude. Something yeah. broke open in me. I laid down there in that spare room on your bottom floor uh, and just cried, cried myself to sleep, hot tears. I didn't, I don't even know why. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was, I loved every moment that I got to spend with you and Preston. The conversation was, was stimulating and funny and we watched movies together and we went out and had some time on the range and it, it was awesome. But there was yeah. something breaking open in me. And I think it was that I had been an island in the stream for so for way too long. I was disillusioned. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was bitter. I was trying to find ways to buy more ammo to just get through the apocalypse, mm. you know. And I needed God to come save me, but I didn't even know what that looked like. And right. As it turns out, that was laying the groundwork to get me ready. That was the turning up of the soil to get me ready for October of 2020 when that John Eldridge podcast changed my entire life. And the the seed that was planted that weekend has continued to grow. And I feel, wow. I feel that kingdom inside me. I feel that one seed that hit the ground and died and has created a harvest and it's this and it's more and more conversations and there's more people getting drawn into our little uh part of the kingdom you know that are starting to get it and it's eliciting excitement in them and it's building hope and it's oh yeah yeah it's i think that's a really super practical way if for people that find themselves desperate and angry and lonely and maybe you've been in church your whole life but this just not clicking like it starts with a friend you know it starts with a friend that's good that's it that's it that's cultivating eden yeah yeah there's no formula there's no formula just start and and talk to one another the way you and i this is how you and i talk you know um, right. This is this is where it starts, and then there's other tools. You know, we've mentioned John Eldridge and his Wild at Heart podcast, and we've mentioned right. uh, the Bible Project uh, has a podcast. They have their own app. Um, books by N.T. Wright and C.S. Lewis and Dallas Willard yep. and Gary yes. Black, who was Dallas Willard's close friend and wrote 
you know, after he, after Dallas Willard passed away, um, just these resources that you can surround yourself with this message of the great renewal, with this message of Eden and of the kingdom of God. And John Eldridge mentioned it in the Bible reading plan that we just finished through the Version app, that the effect is immediate. Yes. This message, the effect is immediate. The work doesn't get finished immediately, but the beginning is immediately noticeable. The hope right. that you and I have felt. It, it's, well, I mean, we're going on two years, which in the whole scheme of things is not long, but right. it's only gotten bigger and better and more exciting and more energizing. And yeah, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Once you click it. Yeah. You can't unclick it. Can't unclick it. It is. Yeah, you're right. It is immediate. You have a a renewed vigor, a renewed hope. It's like you said, born again, again. Again. And it is incredibly exciting. And then you can't unsee it. Every time you you turn look at turn the pages, you're like, there it is. There's the great renewal. Yeah. And I've often wondered, and we've had this conversation too. How were the apostles? You know, I mean, if the, if rapture theology and, and Armageddon and fire and fury and we're all leaving on the, you know, first bus out of town, um, how were the apostles? Why isn't that spelled out? Right. It isn't. None of it's spelled out. Right. It's, it's very ambiguous and, you know, very vague. Um, how were they able to embrace and celebrate the fact that I, I'm, I'm get to die with my savior and my Lord. Cause they knew, they know what's coming. They knew what was coming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, none of them were waiting to go somewhere. They were waiting for it to come here right. and we'll all see, we'll see them all again. Yes. You know? Yep. And, uh, and uh, I know that some people freak on this, but when you say Jesus is still human, He's sitting at the right hand of God, and he's human. He's human. He's human. Yeah. He didn't change. Yeah. He came back the same Jesus, just more. Yes. He was more human than any human who's ever human. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I love it. Yeah. To cultiv- cultivate Eden is to cultivate the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture. Brotherhood. Uh, Bible podcasts and books and Bible reading plans and devotions, anything that draws your heart to Jesus. One thing that has been particularly helpful for me uh, over the last couple months, uh, John Eldridge and his uh, the whole ministry developed a uh, an app called the One Minute Pause, and it started with a minute long, just sixty seconds to just kind of disconnect from things for a minute connect with God, uh, kind of get refreshed. And then it led into, uh, there's now a three minute and a five minute. Well, then they, they have recently come out with this 30 day program called 30 days to resilient. And there's a tie in with the new book that he wrote, um, which transparently I have not purchased yet, but I intend to, there's a lot of books on my list that I want to get, but, uh, they pray through some of these things. And actually I went through, um, it's, it's a 30 day, plan and they're broken down into five day modules uh, to kind of cover a different topic of taking care and cultivating our hearts. And so one of them I um, was list, I was participating in today 
Uh, I just call this the Eden prayers, kind of how they pray through this. And it's very simple, nothing nearly as eloquent as what you wrote, but uh, I call this the Eden prayer. It says, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Come and fill my heart with your Eden glory. Create mm. a new heat, a new Eden in my heart. Fill my heart with beauty. Fill my heart with life. Let the glory of Eden fill and strengthen my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Like that's it. Just, that. just connect. Just surrender our plans and all of the things that we can't fix, manage, and control, but we desperately try. Right. Oh God. I love you, and I need you to impart your resilience into me because without Jesus, without that vital connection to the presence of God, we're going to get cold and angry and bitter and alone. That's what religion produces, but the kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, humility, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Beautiful. Yeah. The seed doesn't change. The soil needs to. The soil. And that's how we that's how we change the soil. That's good. Yeah. I like it. That's excellent. I like it. I think that's, that's a good it. place to Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. But before we go, we gotta yes. say God, God is not mad is not mad at you. At you. That's right. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all for going with us on this. Please, I hope you like this. We hope you like this. Uh, if you do, smash the like button. Share this with everybody, anywhere, everywhere. Yes. And uh, if you want to connect with us, if you want to ask questions, need more info, uh, you can email us at info at thecosmiccarwash.com. We'll be happy to share with you whatever uh, has been shared with us. And uh, we'll be back here again next week. All right. Thank you. That's right. Eden's Eden is coming. Eden is coming.